Welcome. You're listening to Sunday Sermons from Catalyst Church San Diego, where we want to see our community, city, and world changed by the gospel. Well, I want you to know one thing. The Christian life is exciting. It's exciting. This is exciting for me. Just my, my parents are here, um, and uh, they'll be here one more week with us. And we, uh, we, face, we face a lot of, there's, there's chaos in the world. We live in uncertain times. I think we've, just if you're following the news lately, you know Things are a bit chaotic. Things are in chaos, to say the least. And for us, even as, as Christians, just not overseas, we're just talking about us in our everyday. We, there is chaos around us. There is, we, there's issues, there's problems, there's things that come up. There is, fam, whether you're talking about family issues, workplace issues, uh, the things in your community, whatever it is. But there's... But amidst all of that chaos, so the kind of this hope of the, the gospel of the good news of this, this amazing, this wondrous story that he talked about, is that there is a tremendous hope in Jesus Christ that in the middle of the troubles, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of, the, of everything that we face, everything that the world is facing, there is only one hope in the middle of all that. It's in Jesus Christ. It's only in Jesus that you get new life. It's only in Jesus that you, that you see lives change, that there is hope, that there is redemption, that there is resurrection, and that there is a future in him. It's an uncertain world, but in an uncertain world, Christians live with hope. And they live a life of, and we need to live lives of intention and anticipation as we look forward to Jesus, what Jesus, as we look forward to what Jesus is doing in our life right now and what he's going to do in the future. What does it look like to be people that live within, with intention? When my wife and I, when we lived on the East Coast, we sometimes would drive down to Virginia. If you've ever been through Virginia, there is this bridge that gets you, there's one point, it's called Chesapeake Bay Bridge. It's, it's this huge bridge. It's incredible. Now, for San Diego, we have the Coronado Bay, Bay Bridge, and that's, that's, you know, there's a point to this. You're like, Jason, why are you talking about bridges? I'll get there. There is, we have the Coronado Bay Bridge. It's about 2.1 miles long. It's, it's, it's cool in and of itself. But in Virginia, this Chesapeake Bay Bridge, from shore to shore, it is 17.6 miles from shore to shore. It is a bridge and a tunnel. So if you're driving over this thing, you're above it sometimes, and you go underneath into the water sometimes, come back up, and now you're, you're on this bridge again. They had to construct four artificial islands to make this bridge possible. And you think of, and I, as I've driven, you go over this thing, it's just cool. At just some point, you just, you're just on a bridge, and there's, like, you don't see anything behind you or in front of you. And uh, if you I think of the people that built this. Every day there's a team of engineers that had to come together, and a team of engineers every day had to, had to build this bridge with the, with the end in mind of where this is going. They, from 1958 to 1964, they had to have a picture in their mind as they laid the pieces down, as they constructed everything, that, that at the end, this is what this is going to look like. 
and they go through, they go through all the, the testing, they go through all the hard driving the piles down and building all those things, all of the, the hard stuff that it takes, because in the end, this is going to be an amazing marvel. And in fact, it was, it's known as an engineering marvel. And I think in many ways, a Christian life is meant to be this life that, you know, we go through, there's hard times and there's things that we're facing, but at the end, we see where we're going. We lay, we lay down the, the pieces in our life in precision because we know, who, we know who awaits us at the end. We look forward to the Lord and we, look, we live our lives with intention and we live with it anticipation to see Jesus. But living with intention is hard. We fall short. That's why the grace of God is so important in our lives. His grace is so amazing. That's why today I can just say, you know what, what, I may have had it rough yesterday, but today I'm going to live for Jesus today, and I'm going to focus on him. And how can we be people that live with intention and live with anticipation of Jesus? We'll look at that today. We're looking at a discourse that Jesus gives in Mark chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark 13. We'll be starting at verse 24. If, it's in, if you have your pew Bible, it's page 901. We're in the middle of a teaching that Jesus is giving. It's called the Olivet Discourse. It sounds like a fancy name. It's called the Olivet Discourse simply because he gives it on the Mount of Olives. So, hence, Olivet Discourse. The Mount of Olives is this mountain that has olive groves on it. It is near, it is near Jerusalem, near the temple. It's in Jerusalem, near the Temple Mount. And in this teaching, as you're reading through Mark 13, it's a, it's a challenging piece of Scripture as you're going through. He's giving all these predictions and all these prophecies of things that are going to happen in the future. It's interesting as you are looking at Jesus at this point in his life. He is very short. In a, in a very short time, he's heading to the cross. And he's already talking to his disciples about what happens after that. He's already looking beyond the cross and, and telling them about the future. A lot of these predictions, one, one that he gives here in Mark 13, he talks about the destruction of the temple. He says he looks at the, the uh, disciples, look back, they just say, why isn't this a marvelous temple? And Jesus says in Mark 13, he says, um, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. Well, if you don't know, that prophecy is literally fulfilled in 70 A.D., during the first Jewish and Roman war, what happens is the Romans, they set the temple on fire. And as they set the temple on fire, if you knew the, the Herodian temple, it had, Jew, it had, a, it, it had gold in, inlays throughout the temple. There was gold in there. And the, t the fire got so hot that the gold started to melt, and it started to melt in between the stones. And so the Romans, when the Romans went in, they literally moved the stones out the way so they can get the gold. And Jesus' prophecy is literally fulfilled that not one stone will be left upon another. And in this, if you're reading through Mark 13, he's giving all these signs of the ends of the age. There's going to be false messiahs, false prophets. There's going to be persecutions. And then he says there's going to be a time coming where there will be uh, where he describes in verse 19, days of tribulation, that the, ki the kind that hasn't been from the beginning of creation until now will never be again. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're kind of halfway in this Olivet discourse. In verse 24, so he's going to speak about the days after that tribulation. 
So starting in Mark chapter 13, verse 24, it says, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You get down to verse 32. Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It is like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or or at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have called us, Lord, to be people on mission, to be people who are alert, who are focused. God, I pray, Lord, that today there'd be a renewed focus in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, as we live intentionally and anticipating your return. God, open our hearts and minds today, God, as we look at your word. We praise your name, Lord, and may your word speak to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you're in Mark 13 and this, this, the bottom of this passage of the Olivet Discourse, there is a term there, a phrase that he's using four times, four times here. He says, be alert, be alert. Last week, we, as we talked about the Olivet Discourse, last week we kind of described it in a negative sense, in the sense of t- telling us to be alert against deception, that there was going to be a time where there's these false messiahs, false prophets, there'll be false teaching and other forms of deception as the time grows near. And so we need to be alert and be on guard against deception. But this week, as we look at the, at the end of the Olivet Discourse, we look at it in a positive sense, in the sense that where Jesus tells the Christian to be alert by living a life of intention and living a life of in, who, that anticipates the return of Christ. What does it mean when you live a life of intention. When you, when you live intentionally, you live with purposeful action. Living with intention is kind of the opposite of living reactively. When you live reactively, you kind of you sit back and you wait and relax and you wait for things to happen. And when it happens, and then you say, oh, okay, we've got to, we've got to do some things. We've got to change some stuff. 
Living with intention says that there is a mission in my life. There is a goal. I see I am laying the pieces down, seeing the end that's coming. And I am living for him. And as a Christian, living intentionally means that my actions, the things I do with my life, the, the things that I say, the things that, I, the things that I do, they live in alignment with God's will for my life. We're engaged in the moment because of who Jesus is and because of how he's changing our life. And we live intentionally for him. And think if you look at, if we look at uh, this text, there is three things I want to highlight about living with intention and living with anticipation. The first thing is this in Mark 13, 24 to 37. First thing. Christians should live with intention by being spiritually and mentally prepared. Spiritually and mentally prepared. I mentioned this last week in this discourse. What you are, what you are hearing here, this is the good shepherd protecting and preparing his sheep. And he's talked to us about being alert against deception, against false messiahs. And as we look into this, into verse 24, he's going to tell us to be alert about signs of his return. He's going to say in verses 24 to 25, he says in those days after that tribulation, he, here's this description of what's going to happen. He says, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. The heavens will, will react to the coming of the Son of Man. As you look up, if you look up at the sky and the, the, the cosmos is shaken as he comes in, in his return. And it reminds me the reaction of creation to Jesus on the cross. You, you looked at Jesus on the cross in Matthew 27, 45. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. You have this, you have creation reacting to the son of man. In verse 51, it talks about this earth, an earth quaking, about rocks splitting. In fact, if you're looking at the, the story of the cross, there's a Roman centurion there who goes from someone who's, who's most likely, an un, who is probably an unbeliever to somebody who says and sees how just the heavens and the earth respond to God, to the Son of Man on the cross, and says, that truly this man was the Son of God. And imagine the reaction of people at the return of Christ. What's happening during this time? There's just chaos. There is a, there is a world that's full of lies and deception. There is a world that is following the evil one, and he, is, and he is deceiving them. There is uncertainty right now. There's all kinds of things happening. And as they look up now, the sun is darkened, the moon is not giving its light, There's, the heavens are shaken, and you can imagine the panic that is happening in the world. The people panic. There is panic because when you are not spiritually and mentally prepared, if someone's not told you beforehand what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden there's this, there's this just crazy, this heavens shaking above you, I mean... Not ready for that. And there'll be a world where minds are in confusion and they just don't know what's happening. 
And most people today, they're really not, they're not pro, we would say, I'd say most people, not proactive about the things of God. We don't like that. We don't like that. We would rather be reactive. Rather kind of sit back, wait, watch Netflix, and just, you know, sorry. <laughs> and then we just kind of, you get carried along by the, the, the news cycle and the things that are happening because there is just, you just sit, wait to react to the next thing. We just, it, people value just entertainment right now, and they're just being proactive just sounds... Being intentional sounds hard. It takes work. It does. It takes, in fact, being intentional, what it does is it takes an ability to suffer and persevere through some things, through, through, through some hard times, because you're able to see in your mind, you're able to see five steps ahead, seven steps ahead. You're able to see where this is going. And even in those times where you're just kind of not sure, you know who's in charge. You know that at the end of the day, as a Christian, the Lord is in charge. He is in control. And you know that whatever you're facing right now, you know at the end where this is going. You look at Jesus' life. I was thinking through this. It's like, in Jesus' life, how did he live? It's, it's full of intentionality. It's full of a life that's lived with intention. Even if you look at, I was wondering, like, what, did he have entertainment? And even in places where he's in these social gatherings, you think of the wedding at Cana, where Jesus goes to this wedding. He's in the social gathering, and there he, he shows his power over creation, turning water to wine. You think of him as he goes out and dines with others, with tax collectors and sinners. When they ask him about it, he says, well, it's not it's Matthew 9, 12. It's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. And everything in his life is lived with intention. There is an intention to do the will of the Father. And everything he does in his life and his actions, his words, his deeds, everything is done to the glory of God, to the will of the, for the will of the Father. He's intentional to submit to the Father in everything he does. Intention, what it does, it's being intentional takes being spiritually and mentally prepared. See, when, when you're spiritually and mentally prepared, when the chaos starts to fall around you, you can step into the chaos. You can step into the trouble because I know who holds tomorrow. And there's an urgency. When you are... When you are spiritually, mentally prepared, there's an urgency to life. Because really, life is temporary. It is done. And you look at the world and there's, this, there's an urgency in your own life to live for Jesus. Look at how Peter, Peter describes 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. He's going to describe something called the day of the Lord says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. And then look at how he ends this in verse 11. He says, since all these things are, are to be dissolved in this way, what are all these things? The heavens, the elements, all the things that we see around us. It is clear 
what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and goodness. I mean, so often I think as Christians, we go about in life as if everything is always going to be the same. Nothing's ever going to change. We, the house that we have, we'll always be living in it. The, the people around us will be there. The, the, the things are going to be the same. And in fact, every day is so precious. Every day goes by so fast. We, you know, one, one day, one thing is here, and the next, it is, we are moving on to something else. And you look around one day and tell you this church building will be gone. One day the home that you're living in will be gone. The things around us, they're not, they're temporary. But he says, since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what does he say? It's clear. It's clear what sort of people you should be. He's talking about, when he's talking about what, clear, what sort of people you should be, that he's talking about an intention in your life. That I am living every day with intention to, to honor God with my life. When you play on a, just thinking about this, trying to picture this, when you play on a professional sports team, and the only team I have for us out here is the Padres. I'm really sorry about this year. But I know some of it, we're in a grieving process. It's okay. There was so much anticipation. Uh, I didn't write, I didn't plan that in, but anyway. If you want to play on a professional sports team like the Padres, and you want to be a professional baseball player, it's going to take every day living with intention, does it not? You've got to wake up every day. You've got to wake up early. You want to eat right, and then you, get to the, you want to get to the ballpark early. You want to get in there, take some extra batting practice, hit the, you know, get, trying to get better every day. Every day, you're taking, maybe you're taking some more grounders on the field, some more ground balls. If you're a pitcher, you're out there, you're working on your, your pitches. Every day, you are working, you are working on... On, on, this, on this craft in your life, on, on, on the mission that you have. You, you are a part of this team. You are, you know, players are all different, but you're all aligned on the same goal. And if you want to be the best player, you've got to get out there every day. Every day, and it's going to be a regular part of your life. And we know how to live with intention when we think of things in our career, but how about in your Christian life? Christ, what does he do? He's calling the players on his team to be alert, to be focused, to be on mission. He's calling you to be spiritually and mentally prepared for whatever you face. Because there's going to be those times of trouble. There's going to be those times of chaos. And when that happens, you can step in prepared because of Jesus in your life. Christians should live with intention by being spiritually prepared. A second way we live with intention Christians should live with intention by engaging in God's mission for their life. As a Lord, he gets, there's, there's actually two parables we read here in Mark chapter 13. He gives two parables. The first one he gives is called the parable of the fig tree. This is in verses 28 to 29. He says it this way. He says, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. It says, in the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize, recognize that he is near 
at the door. See, people, if you lived in first century Israel, you lived in an agricultural society. And then, you know, today we understand seasons kind of by looking at the date. I think in San Diego, we just have summer and spring, and I am thankful for it. That's, I'm all about that. But we, we look at the calendar, we say, okay, we are hitting this. But for them, for in first century Israel, the way you would tell the seasons, they, remember, they are very connected to the land. They're very connected to the, the agriculture. And so, they, and fig trees, they would be a very common and familiar sight in Israel. You would see fig trees, they were a natural part of their diet. And as if you're someone in Israel, you would be walking around, and you'd see the fig trees, and the fig trees would start, you'd see changes in the trees. They're starting to, to sprout, they're starting to sprout leaves. And you would recognize by observing the agriculture, you would recognize summer is coming, summer is near. And if you're someone who, if you're vigilant, you see the changes and you, re- you realize, let's get prepared, let's get ready for the harvest because summer is near. And in the same way, Jesus calls his people to be alert, to be ready. When you see the, the, the scripture fulfilled and you're starting to see all of these things in the world, be prepared, be ready, be, know the seasons in your life. And he really enforces our need to be prepared and to be alert, for, be ready for the new season. And this second parable is called the parable of the doorkeeper. This is really, this is actually unique to Mark here in this Olivet Discourse. And he says this in verses 34 to 37. He gives this parable. Jesus says, it's like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster, or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. As you're going through this, you're looking at this parable. It says in verse 34, taking a look at that, he describes a man on a journey. Who is this man on the journey? This is this is Jesus. Now, he's, Jesus is already looking beyond the cross. What he's actually talking about here is his, is his ascension into heaven. In Acts uh, 1.9, this is when Jesus ascends into heaven. And it enters us into this interim period, this, this period b- between when he ascends into heaven and his return, this period called the, the age, what I would call the age of the church or dispensation of the church, period we're still in where the Son of God is not physically present on earth. And so he describes there in verse 34 a time when his, when, when his servants, when, the, when his disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, including you and me, are left here on earth to do the ministry of the work until his return. It says in the man, of a, on, a, the man on a journey who left, his, who left his house, he sends into heaven, says he gave authority to his servants. Now, what is that? In what way does Jesus give authority? Jesus empowered his servants, his people, through the authority of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that there is a, that the Spirit does his work of God in you, and there is, a, there is a, a power of God in you that's not present in unbelievers. 
In Acts 1.8, if we look at that, he says, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you're looking at why does the Lord empower his people with, this Holy, with the Holy Spirit, with the authority of the Spirit of God? Now, there's, a num- there's quite a number of reasons. This could be a long statement. There's a lot you could say here. One, of course, because he loves us. He loves us because he's promised never to leave us alone. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God gives us counsel through when we're facing things. He guides and leads his people. The Spirit of God convicts the world of judgment and sin. And he changes hearts and he changes minds. And he, uh, because of And the faith, the hope, the love that we have comes is empowered by the Spirit of God in your life. But I want want you to see here in this parable is that you, brothers and sisters, are empowered by God to do the work of the mission of God in your life. The Christian life is not a passive life. It's not a life that sits back and waits for things to happen. It is a life that is on the move. It is a life that's lived with intention. We're not waiting for the next shoe to drop. We are living intentionally every day on the mission of God that he has given each one of you. And you notice in the parable, take a look at that in verse 34, same verse. He gave authority to his servants and did what? And gave each one his work. Commanded the doorkeeper to be alert, but he gave each one of us his work, a work. Each, each of you here live in a context. You live around people that I will never talk to. You have family members that I will never reach. You have a community. You have coworkers. You have friends. You have people around you that I will never connect with. I will never connect with them because they're not my mission field. They're your mission field. And God has placed you within a context because because he has a special work for you for the kingdom of God. What, what does Jesus say? His greatest command, love God and what? Love others. There's one thing I know. One thing I know is that God has called you to impact people for his kingdom. I don't know what that looks like in, in every single life, but I know that he has, he has a mission, he has a work for you. God has called you to impact people for his glory. What what does that require in the Christian life? That requires an engagement in the mission of God and the mission that he has for you. That's going to require a heart that lives intentionally every day in his word, in prayer, praying, God, God, lead me today. Give me strength. Give me courage in the things that I'm facing today in this moment. And he says in this parable, when the master comes, don't let him find you sleeping. Now, I, that was, <laughs> I read this. I think, I don't know if it's okay to say this, but I, I was reminded of the church we went to in New York City. We, it was, they had a Sunday evening service. And I, I loved, I, I love our church in New York. And we'd go out to the evening service and, it seemed that in every Sunday night service, 
there was a guy in the back. And I didn't know him. I didn't know the guy. But there's actually there's one thing I knew about him. I knew that he was tired. I don't know if you know where this is going. Because every Sunday night we'd be hearing the sermon and, and the sermons being preached. And, and there was another thing you'd be hearing in the back. There's this loud snoring. He was, he was boy, he was, he was cutting down some trees or something. He was snoring. And I felt bad. There's this poor usher guy. Every Sunday would have to come to him. Every Sunday would go and tap him on the shoulder like, and, um, yeah, we need you to wake up. And that's why, actually, for us, we try to make sure there's plenty of coffee in the Welcome Center. You are welcome. Get plenty caffeinated when you come in here. We're ready to get that all set for you. Now, our, our pastor, he was, he was quite, our pastor was quite good. He taught the Bible very well. I, I was blessed under his, under his leadership. And I wondered how much this man, you know, he's coming to church, but he, how much he was missing in, in the sermons, what he was missing out on what God had for him in the teaching. But now that's just the teaching on Sundays. I think about for us, I wonder how much we're missing out on what God has for us because we're asleep on the job. Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians, 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he's describing this, these future times, these things that are coming. He says, and he says in verses 5 to 6, he says, For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled got this Christian life. It's an exciting life. It's an active life. It's a life where you are called, you are called to a life to engage in the mission that God has for you, to be self-controlled in your life. And we're called to be people on mission for God. Christians should live with intention by being spiritually and mentally prepared, engaging in God's mission for their life. This third thing and this last way to live with intention Christians should live with intention by having a heart of anticipation to see Jesus. Have a heart of anticipation to see Jesus. The Lord, he speaks of his coming, his future coming at, a, at an unpredictable time. He says in verses 32 to 33, he says, Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. Now, if, I'm to, if I were to get into the question of Christ's divine, his divine knowledge regarding his coming, that would make for a much longer sermon. And at 12 o'clock, you guys would all be going, heading out that way. But there's one, one thing I know here about the Lord. He is... Jesus is incredibly aware of timing. And he is incredibly submissive to the Father. You look at the, the, the God and the Godhead, this, the Spirit submits to the Son, the Spirit and the Son submit to the Father. And with Jesus, when you look at him in his ministry, he is incredibly aware of timing. He's, in fact, John 7, 6, this is, 
This, I always love this verse, John 7 6, where he says, my time has not yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. How many of you like, connect with that? I'm like, I'm always ready to go. But the Lord, he is, he is incredibly aware of timing. And the son submits to the timing of the father. And Jesus, he shares this now with an anticipation. He tells us, he says, be watchful, be alert. We don't know the time of his coming. And for us, in one way, if you look at this, for us, the time of his coming is every day. It's every hour. Christ is with you, in fact, in this moment. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or abandon you. Christ is with you today. Yet there's also within us this desire, this anticipation to see Jesus. We talk about within the, there's this, within the Christian life that just says, I want, to, I want to be with him. In fact, take a look at Paul in Philippians 1.23. He says, I long to depart and to be with Christ. See, when you, when you love someone so much, you, just, you want to be with them. Paul had this desire within him. He just, there was this desire within him that just said, I want to be with Jesus. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.8, it says, In fact, we are confident we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And you look at this text, Mark 13, the, the Olivet Discourse that we've been going through. There's all kinds of chaos going on in this discourse leading up to the return of Jesus. There's like false messiahs, there's false prophets, there's all this, this tribulation happening. There are a lot of, there's just, they're saying woe to pregnant women, there's pray won't happen. There's, there's tons of tribulation, there's persecution going on. Yet despite all of the chaos, all of the, the, the things in this world, as we look at today, we're just completely reminded of that. In the middle of the chaos, the Lord is triumphant. The Lord is victorious. Mark 13, 26, they look up. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He's coming in the clouds, a sign of this God, God coming to us with power and great glory. Power over the tribulation, power over the troubles, power over the chaos, power over the heavens. We worship the Lord who is mighty. He is glorious. And I like this, this verse in verse 31. He says this, he says, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. Do you know what's going to pass away? The troubles that you're facing. Do you know what's going to pass away? The, the sickness in your family? The troubles in your home? The addictions going on? All of that's going to pass away. But you know what's never going to pass away? God's promises. God's word. His promises are forever. And God promises that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you just trust him, he will change your life. He will make you into a new person. For the old will be gone, the new will come. 
And God promises that when you trust him, you will see him in glory and an eternal life in Jesus Christ. The cross, you look at the cross, the cross is God's promise to you written in blood. His promises will never pass away. It's because he's so good. He's so glorious. Think of a hymn. There's a hymn that's called Standing on the Promises of God. It says, Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I am standing on the promises of God. And the Lord says that his promises, his words will never pass away. And we stand on a solid rock that in the chaos, in the tribulation, in the troubles, in in a world at war, in a world that is full of deception and chaos, we stand on the promises of God in Jesus Christ, seeing who he is, how he loved us so much, sending his son in our place, dying on a cross so that we could have new life in him. And we live every day in anticipation of Jesus, with intention and anticipation. How about you? Do you know the goodness of Jesus Christ in your life? Do you know that he walks with you today? Do you anticipate every day to walk with him and to see him again? God is calling us to live lives on mission to live lives that engage, to live lives with intention, to live lives that glorify Jesus Christ. And I pray that you are on this mission engaged, and we all say, until he returns, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons from Catalyst Church San Diego. If you're in the San Diego area, we would love for you to visit us. Our church is at 6038 Cumberland Street in San Diego, California. We meet every Sunday for our worship service at 1030 a.m. You can reach us anytime by visiting our website at catalystchurchsd.org or emailing us at info at catalystchurchsd.org. 